If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody. This is the job doctor, and the job doctor is in today. Uh, We have a lot of questions happening uh, around pay and around title, and so we're going to dig into all things career today, and I've got Namrata on the phone. Namrata, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, so happy to have you. Love to hear just a little bit for listeners about who you are. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. So my name is Namrata. Um, I've been in accounting industry for uh, about uh, 10 plus years, and uh, I started my career as a accounts payable and moved from billing to AR to um, revenue accounting um, to technical accounting. And I, now I manage a team uh, um, in accounting. Okay. So you your career is moving very well. It sounds like you've got lots of titles under your belt. Uh, tell me what's on your mind today. So as you said, uh, I have had progression in my career. And I feel like till this point of the time, I every time I had a title change, my responsibility changed. So it was easy to ask for more, like the when I asked for promotions or initiated the conversation, uh, it was always that I wanted to do more. Uh, mm-hmm. And with that promotion came the title change. Um, now that I am a manager, I'm looking to uh, grow into senior manager. However, my job responsibility will not change. So I, I'm not I'm not sure how to approach that with my manager, oh, okay. uh, where my responsibility won't change, and how what is the key difference between manager and senior manager, and how to ask for that promotion. Oh, well, you know what I love about you already is you've taken your career into your own hands. It sounds like you've asked for raises and increased responsibility, which is great. It's gotten you to a good place at a fairly young age. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. Here's the good news. The good news is manager to senior manager doesn't cost money for a company. And if you think of, I have 10 career commandments and one of them is about this very thing. Companies, as far as compensation, you want to ask for things that, that the company can put off pay because they, they'll put it off all day long or that doesn't cost them money because it increases exponentially your odds of getting it. So that's the good news in this. Your company will know what a senior manager is versus a manager. Likely they will. Do you know other senior managers in your company? Is that a title that they use? Uh, it's not more of a uh... I haven't seen people with a different title, like this manager to senior manager, their job responsibility change, but then it's one step ahead to go again. The next step is yes. director. So it's it's a progression, eventually a progression. Okay. Uh, I guess a stepping stone. How big is your company? Say. This also will change how I answer the question. Sure. So it's about, it's an international company, um, private company, but 16,000 approximately. Oh, that's a big one. Okay. So your company will have an idea then on what senior manager means to them. And the way I would play this is I would go to my manager and say, what type of leadership 
and maturity around my management is required for you to view me as a senior manager. Because really, it's not if it's not a pay increase, it's just a title increase, it's going to be free. So you've already got that barrier knocked out. But the second barrier is, what do senior managers look like? What do they do different than I do? Find out what that is as soon as possible. And then you start angling towards it. And when you have what you think is a fairly good skill set and good grasp on that, then you go back and say, I think I've demonstrated what you've explained to senior manager is. And I like to show things in a kind of a menu. If you think about when, how you buy online, you know, let's say you go to Amazon and there's like two backpacks. There's the backpack and it has these features. It has little check boxes, you know, it has the zippers, right. canvas, yeah. it's waterproof. And then you go to the next menu and there's like six more things that you didn't even know backpacks could have. And you, you, when you see those check boxes, you're like, I want that backpack. This is the same thing that you do when you're trying to angle for the next level up is you would put in front of your manager, here's the skill sets I had. Here's the skill sets I think I now demonstrate. Now do I get the title? And when they can see those visually, I think it's really helpful. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. What else is going on in your career? And what other questions do you have while we've got you here? Uh, So... According to you, what soft skills uh, makes a good middle manager? Um, mm, middle manager. So that's right, because you're a newer manager. How many people do you manage on your team? Uh, right now, two. So two. it's between two to three people. Two to three people. And, and this is your first manager gig? Yes. Okay. Well, my condolences, yeah. <laughs> first of all, because <laughs> the worst job in corporate America is a middle manager. And I'm convinced of it because... I call it a middle manager sandwich. If you think about it, the top layer, you know, you're, the top leaders are saying, we got to do this. You got to make sure this happens. And you're saying, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm not sure if you guys are really in touch. And then the bottom people are saying, well, that's a stupid idea. And there you are in the middle, right? Just getting munched together like a sandwich. So first of all, my condolences because it is hard. But um, one of the big mistakes I see for rookie new managers is they try and be friends with people because they don't ever want to be seen as one of them, you know, the senior management out of touch people. And in an effort not to be seen as them, they try to be buddies with people. That does not work at some point. And this is the first opportunity you have to actually push back with upper leadership when something doesn't feel right and express yourself. So this is where you have to develop the skill of getting comfortable with conflict and how you address that you're, that something doesn't feel right or seem right or something needs to be adjusted. And it is also where you have to practice being strategic. Because what I hear from kind of a a middle manager is, my manager won't let me be strategic. I hear this all the time. And if you want to be strategic, be strategic. And part of that is your job, number one at this point, is produce, as a manager, is to produce whatever the result is within the budget that you have. That's if I had to just narrow down your whole job, that's it. But right. that requires you to be really mindful with your people and share with them the what needs to be done, the when it needs to be done by, and the why. And a lot of times new managers forget the why. You're, you're practicing getting buy-in so that these, right. so that it doesn't feel so much like you're in a sandwich. So make sure that you're spending adequate amount of time understanding or helping your people understand the why behind what they're doing. And also think about when you were an individual contributor, it just kind of sucks because you're so many people go around saying, my manager has no idea what I'm capable of. 
They're not even tapping into a fraction of what I'm able to do. And so think about that. And how do you tap into what your people can do best? It's like putting together a puzzle. So the other piece of advice I give you as a middle manager is make sure you're checking in on a regular basis with your people to say, what is it that you see from your perspective? What could we do better? And what do you do best? And are we tapping into that all the way? Because companies will hire me and I'll go in and talk to them and they'll say, the company's hired me to fix this big gnarly problem nobody can fix. And I go in and I ask, what are the three main objectives that you have to achieve to win? And I ask that of all the employees. And then I ask it of the senior managers. Not once. I can't believe this, but not once this was ever matched ever, which is crazy to me. So start there. Make sure your people are on the same page when they know how to win. You know, that's very, very useful and very helpful for them. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Does that feel like something that could help? Or is there a different nuance that you're struggling with that uh, you also feel like you, you don't necessarily do well? Um, no, I just want to start on the right path because I actually, fortunately, I have had a good mentor in throughout my career, uh, good managers um, who also were like mentor to me. So the transition has been uh, not uh, very difficult, uh, but I just want to have, um, all my checklist or like start on the right path because uh, I feel like whatever worked for me as an individual contributor will not work for me as a manager because the criteria to meet is different as you mentioned uh, what was like uh, like the star employee uh, getting work done yes. on time and not have conflict with people and get the results and all that will not work. The same attitude will not work for me going forward. So I need to have a different mindset, uh, different objectives. You're, you are spot on. You are spot on. That is also yeah. one of my career commandments that I teach. I teach people that what worked for you to get you ahead isn't what's going to work to get you ahead for the next level of your career. And so when I think about the skill sets that you should be working on, it's getting comfortable with conflict. It's achieving buy-in. Those are the two most important skill sets that get you to a director. So practice that. And then as a manager, I have a manager mantra and there's three things. So here's the manager mantras that I have. Number one, if I were treated in a similar situation, is this the way I would want to be treated? Really important that you treat people with respect. Uh, number two, this one's harder for managers. No surprises. By no surprises, that means that if you see something emerging you need to talk to your person about, talk to them about it. Because if you talk to them about it earlier, it feels like coaching. If you wait until it's punitive or you're firing them, that's a surprise. You don't ever want to surprise your people. Um, the third one is if everybody saw this, would it make sense to them? That's important to know. Um, you know, if, if everybody got to see what you were saying or doing behind closed doors, would it make sense? So that appeals to kind of your sense of fairness, um, not talking about another employee behind closed doors, because when you do that and say, oh, Joe over there, he's such a, yeah, he's really uh-huh. giving me trouble. Even if that person came to you and said, Joe is really causing trouble, and you reinforce that out loud, you're creating distrust with that employee because they're saying, what would my manager say about me? Or what is my manager saying about me behind closed doors? So there's this loyalty thing that you got to be really careful of how you speak about your people. It used to be top-down management was the thing, right? That's how we did it in the 80s. I'll tell you what to do. Go do it. And now, and, and you know, I was a Gen, Gen X, and I, you just sucked it up. You just did it. You're just like, I'm dying, but I'll do it. But that is not today's employee. Today's employee is like, you treat me right, or I'm out of here. So 
Right. Uh, it's a really a more humane approach to leading people. Try that because I think it'll help your people feel more loyal to doing a good job and wanting to be a part of something. It makes them feel a part of something like you really care about who they are and what they're capable of. Right. Uh, my other question is, so I, I enjoy working in my current company. Uh, I started as a billing analyst and I uh, progressed within the company, went to different departments and um, got promotion and all, all that stuff. But uh, when you look at the resume, it just like if some if I were to apply outside, if they just look at resumes like, okay, 10 years, mm-hmm. one company, uh, accounting department. Um, so even before I get a maybe chance to, I haven't actually applied anywhere, but things coming like recessions and all that, uh, the buzzword right now. Yes. If I were to... Um, so if I were to apply and even before I get a chance to get a, get an interview, how do I present my resume in a way that it shows that even though I was there for 10 years, I have had diverse experience? Mm-hmm. That's a great question because I tell people all the time, once you've been at a company about eight to 10 years, it works against you because people do say, well, yeah, they worked at that company, but are they going to be able to make the adjustments that are needed or are they too steeped in the way they did things there? For you, build your resume so that each job looks like a new job as opposed to just kind of lumping your experience under one one company. So you'll say, I worked at this company, but instead of having all the jobs listed right there and then just a bullet point of the latest job, I want you to actually show your company and then show and have a couple of bullet points under each job that you had to show progression. And at the top of your resume, make sure that, let's say I work for accounting XYZ, progressive responsibility with promotions every year starting here and moving to there so that they can see... What that does is give confidence that, well, she may have been in a company for 10 years, but she was never sitting still. She was always growing that career and always moving um, up in responsibility. And that will begin to overcome some of that. Okay. Yeah. And, you you know, most companies can't provide people with that kind of progression in their titles over 10 years. So for those listening that have been at a company for eight to 10 years, if you're not having the kind of progression in titles that Namrata is talking about, you need to be moving on because it works against you in a way that you can't overcome it as much. But congratulations. Congratulations for your career progression. It sounds like you've done very well. Thank you. I've been I've been hearing uh, or uh, reading blogs and videos like all you expert people um, that has helped me throughout the career. <laughs> Well, you they don't teach you in this in the school or anything. You just have to learn. On doesn't the job. that suck too? I mean, I I actually can't believe that we're so archaic in our world that most people, like a, a vast majority of people, end up being managers, and yet college doesn't have a degree in management. We're not teaching people how to be managers. It's like you have bad managers, and yes, you can learn from bad managers, and you might get lucky and get a good one. But it's by and large, we're kind of just fumbling around. It's like having a blindfold on and stumbling around a a maze of folding chairs, you know? We're just doing our best to figure out how to manage people. And it's such a shame because it's, especially with remote workers, you know, at a whole new level of difficulty with, you know, managing people and keeping them engaged in work. I also was reading a report that said 
our Gen Z workers are only working in the same job for about two years. And so as a manager, how do you, how do you elongate that so that you can keep people and not lose that institutional knowledge and the momentum that you get? It's just increasingly more and more important to become a good leader. And yet there's just so little out there on it. So I'm glad you had mentors. Congratulations. Not very many people can say that they had great mentors. Right. Thanks. So do you think, is there a downside of uh, working remotely for individual, like everyone, like working, do they uh, lose the, I would say, other than networking, is there a downside of working remote? That's a good question. I, I actually, I was on the phone with Wall Street Journal the other day on this very topic. They're asking the same question. Does it prevent one's promotability to be a remote worker um, now that a lot of people are going back to work? and I'm still kind of thinking this one through, but my thought is if you're reporting to a Gen X or a boomer, yeah, because their whole thing is relationships and this is the way we always did it and it could work against you. But in the new workforce, millennials, Gen Z, I don't think it will. So I think it's a lot dependent on who the leadership is and the tone of the leadership team. Um, as to whether that's going to work against you or not, because we're we're kind of creatures of habit. And if you grew up in a world where seeing Joe next door in the office and you could go, you know, have water cooler talk and eat lunch and then yeah. work together, I think the remote people will suffer a little bit. They'll have to do a lot extra to to fit in. But but luckily, I think millennials are going to take over the world pretty darn soon. You know, boomers and X are going to wash out pretty soon, and all of a sudden, I think you know, new rules apply. And I think a lot of the younger generation understand you can actually get a ton done as a remote worker. And I don't don't think it will penalize people as much. I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. That not scientific studies. No scientific study backs up that opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, Can I ask one more question? You bet. It's actually a combination of all the things happening uh, right now. So my, my goal for next year is to move into senior manager role. However, my company also provides unlimited PTO. And in my free time, I like to travel. Um, I haven't had actually long, I guess, PTO or break from my work. Uh, I work in accounting. So every first month of the first week of the month requires me to uh, be available. My company offers unlimited PTO and I... If I if I present it well, my manager may approve it um, one time. But my reservation is because my goal is to go into senior manager. Does it affect my credibility, or do I have to choose? Okay, focus on unlimited PTO next year, or focus on getting a promotion. Ah, is, is, I don't <laughs> think they're exclusive. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I I will tell you that. First of all, unlimited PTO, for those listening, it's a trick. Companies do that and they say it's unlimited because they don't have to accrue it on their books. So they don't, so they're more profitable as a company, but it doesn't mean they want you to take unlimited PTO. It's a total trick. And I don't like it actually, because for really responsible workers like you, you don't want to take too much. So you generally take too little. And so for those reasons, I don't like it. Here's what I would do. You have, obviously you're seen as, as somebody that can be counted on. And I like that about you. When you take PTO, don't take giant chunks. That would be my advice. Take small pieces, take long weekends, take two days, three days, rather than two full weeks off. And I think 
that A, it will keep you fresher. B, the company doesn't have time if you're in a really big gap for a ball to drop that could be significant for you and hurt your credibility in any way. But I also want you to do, I want you to take it all, all that you can, because I think it's going to help you have a sane career. And you're early in your career, but I'm old in mine. And I would say the first now, 15 years of my career, I didn't take my PTO. I just didn't take it all. I mean, I, I took a week off to have a baby. That's it. And so I was trying to be responsible and show the company I was worth something, but you will burn out. You will. And, right. and you are right. also in the process of training your company what to expect for you. And you can be a top performer and still take time off. But when you train your company that you never take time off, that's what they expect. And you're hurting yourself. So don't do that. Right. Because you'll wake up one day like right. I did and go, what the hell have I done? So, and, and, then, and then it looks like you're a schmuck when you pull back and you get a more normal right. schedule. They're like, what's going on with Tessa over there? When you're in fact doing exactly what you should have done all along. So that's the way right. I would do it. Be really consistent with taking your time off and just don't take massive chunks. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Those were all great questions. And so I just want to kind of end with, is there any one piece of advice here that you felt like was really useful to you just as a summary here at the end? I definitely found uh, the management uh, mantra and mm-hmm. uh, what you said initially, how to manage at a middle level, mm-hmm. um, helpful. Great. Well, to all those mid-managers out there, we love you. We know that that is actually where work gets done in an organization. I mean, that's the one role that if I, if I wanted a company to be successful, I would never lay those people off because that's where the work gets done is at that level. So yeah. thank you. Thank yeah. you for calling and thanks for all your great questions. It was fantastic to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And I will just remind listeners that the manager mantra is something that you can find on my website if you want to get it. Uh, If you want to remember that and just kind of post it up on your computer and remind yourself each day. Thanks everybody for joining. We'll see you later. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.